Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film, just be aware that there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Look into my eyes and you will see what this podcast means to me. You're looking in my eyes right now. <laughs> I am, yes. Um, I was going to go down a different direction with the start of this episode where I was going to go, listen to a podcast. And you will find some excellent discourse. Ah, yes, the discourse. Everything's a discourse now, isn't it? It's all about the discourse. Derrida would be very proud. <laughs> was that his thing, discourse? Um, his thing was walking around in a um, in a dressing gown. Oh yeah, that's right. Just being being very French. Jacques dressing um, gown. Yes. Yeah, well, it's all about, it's about um, the sort of discourse analysis from a deconstruction uh, perspective, isn't it? That was Derrida. That's right, which is very much what we aim to do on this podcast, isn't it? But we take it very seriously. <laughs> and that's exactly. what this podcast means to me. You know, it means a very, very serious academic endeavor week in, week out. That's exactly what we are all about. It's all about the really high level sorry low level <laughs> granular I, I was i was stuck there between between uh sort of high philosophy and low level and ended up with the worst possible thing to say out of the two. <laughs> you were gonna say highfalutin which highfalutin. is one of my favorite words but you never we're, hear about lowfalutin do you <laughs> no i think lowfalutin that is a as a good description of our um of our podcast isn't it i'm just going to change the description on all our social media and everything it just says lowfalutin <laughs> we're lowfalutin we're i'm we're sure how unam- you spell that we're unambitious we are uh <laughs> just <laughs> furiously being lowest possible rung <laughs> that's what we are furiously lowest common denominator <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly that's what we're after um want that speak- on a t-shirt <laughs> speaking of lowest common denominator we are talking about a kevin costner movie this week aren't we? oh i thought i thought that was gonna be a math joke no uh, it's a kevin costner joke. uh so kevin Ke- old kev friend of the podcast have we talked kev. about any kevin costner films before i don't think we have have we I don't, I don't know if have. you have for sister podcast, um, Big Boys Don't Bunt. Yes, we have. We've talked about Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. I was going to say, I would be very surprised if Field of Dreams hadn't made it on. Because those two movies, they came out basically right next to one another, didn't they? I think so, yeah. And Bull, he's Bull Kevin Costner loves baseball, and he's done a lot of baseball films, actually. Um, but those are kind of two of the biggest ones. Field of Dreams certainly is the biggest one. Um, did you know... This year they did a Field of Dreams game in Iowa in the place where it was filmed and they made this whole like um, field and stuff just to have this one game. Oh, really? Intriguing. Yeah. Kevin Costner threw out the first pitch, obviously. Of course he did, because (laughs) who else would you... (laughs) Um, who, who else would you you get to do that? Um, Of course, he's also made movies about golf. Well, sort of about golf. Uh, Tin Cup. Is about a, a golf cup. man. That's a ridiculous name for a film. I know. I know that is. I assume that's referring to a trophy. I don't know. I I don't know anything. Tin cup. About. I've not seen it. I don't. But that just sounds like something you'd find in a bin, doesn't it? <laughs> a tin cup. It sounds like a film about the life of a trash panda. <laughs> I know nothing about tin golf, cup. The so raccoon story. I, I have no idea if there's any relevance there. It's not a film I've ever seen. Well, no, of course you haven't, because it's called Tin Cup. <laughs> 
Um, but this time round, we're talking about a film that's not about baseball. One of the few, the ten percent of Kevin Costner movies that are not about baseball. Um, Have you seen Bull Durham, by the way? <laughs> what do you think, as a man who doesn't care for baseball? Do you think I've seen no. Field of Dreams or Bull Durham? You not seen Field of Dreams? No, why would I have? Well, a lot of people have seen Field of Dreams. Like a lot of people who know nothing about baseball have seen Field of Dreams because it's like a classic film. <laughs> it's for a lot of people that's like the only what well, outside of the US that's like the only thing they know about baseball. You know what I know about uh, baseball? Kevin Costner built a a, ba- a thing in his backyard, for, a baseball pitch in his garden for ghosts. If you if you field it, they will come. <laughs> That's, that's what we say every week in a, a baseball practice when I'm there. That's what the coach says. If you field it, they will come. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, no, because, you know, it's obviously popular because they make a joke out of it in Peep Show, don't they? And they're talking, it's the one where they've inherited the pub from their friend. Um, or that she wants them to run the pub. And Mark's like, what marketing are we going to do? And Jeremy's like, if you build it, they will come. And he says, that's your marketing plan, Field of Dreams, a film about a man who <laughs> built a baseball pitch in his garden for ghosts. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that I feel like I don't need to watch it because I have get, sort of gleaned so much about it from various other pop culture references. It's not just about baseball. It's, it's also about, about a lot of other stuff. It's also about ghosts. It's also about him following James Earl Jones around. Who I mean, plays when... a, a, like old literary fiction author. It's it's about memory and the supernatural and life and about people taking you seriously and following your own path. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of themes and redemption. There's all this themes stuff. themes that come up in every sports related movie. <laughs> yeah, following your own path, achieving your goals. All of those things are in Airbud's seventh inning fetch. (laughs) Well, exactly. They are, aren't they? They're all in Mighty Ducks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Field of Dreams and Mighty Ducks are exactly the same movie. Same film. Um, See, I I think it's interesting because when Kevin Costner follows James L. Jones around, it's seen as this pinnacle of cinema. But when I do it, it's creepy and he has to get a restraining order. Yeah. Double standards. The trick is you didn't bring a camera crew with you. You you just need probably two guys. Yeah. Go with the camera and a guy um, with a boom. Go, come <laughs> exactly. on, do the Darth Vader voice. <laughs> do move faster. Oh dear. Um. So so Kevin Costner, right? He is an oddity. He is from from my perspective because he was he was a huge star. If you look at sort of um almost from the late 80s through to the early 90s he was if you'll pardon the pun an untouchable um movie star yeah um but if you look at him in comparison to other movie stars even from the same time period it's quite odd because he's not exactly the most charismatic actor i think it's fair to say um i don't want to say he has a certain charm yeah, he has a charm to him, but I wouldn't say that he's got sort of um, the charisma that you often get with movie stars of this era, um, or particularly the movie stars that you got afterwards. And when you look at films like Waterworld or or Robin Hood, which are very action-heavy, if you look at the action movie stars of, of the time period, um, you're looking at people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, who are very, very charismatic and very intense. And Kevin Costner's almost like laid back. Yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a he's a laid back movie star, and that's kind of his thing. Is it fair to compare him to all of those muscle bound bodybuilder guys, though? Because I don't feel like that's his jam. No, but if you look at the action of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I'd say it's not far off what you got in, for instance, Conan in the early um in the early 80s in terms of uh, uh, a medieval epic with bits of fantasy lots of people with bows and arrows i don't think i've ever um, seen conan have you not i'm oh, aware it's of very it. very good who's who very, who very plays good. the titular barbarian who do you think plays a giant hulking it's, barbarian it's arnie it? <laughs> it is arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> yes and then there's a sequel which has um grace jones in it which is very good um as well yeah. um but but yeah, if you look at or, or for instance, if if you're looking outside of the um, outside of the muscle guys, you've got sort of Bruce Willis instead, who's a much more yes day to day man person. 
and again he's got that intensity and that wit which which Kevin Costner doesn't have so it's a very odd he's he he was an odd fit for these kind of movies but you look at the the run of smash hits he had so if you're looking at you know you've got 1987 the untouchables 1989 field of dreams uh 1990 dances with wolves 1991 robin hood 91 jfk 92 the bodyguard um that's a pretty good run of home runs that's a baseball thing right (laughs) yep do you know the reason i asked you if you'd seen bull durham why? Because there's an important link between Bull Durham and um, Prince of Thieves, which is that you see his naked rear end in both films. <laughs> Contractually added into both movies, I heard. Uh, yeah. He, he was like, I'll star in your movie. At his own but... insistence. <laughs> yeah, I'll star in your movie, but I've got to <laughs> reveal my butt. And and that's that's one thing that I like about Kevin Costner, is when you see him in this movie, he's not he's not in great shape, is he? I mean, he's in better shape than I am, but he's not you know well he's how not can the... you tell underneath all those massive stupid brown camo weird clothes that he's wearing <laughs> but you see him naked you see his butt and then you see him topless oh, in the yeah, next scene yeah for like one scene yeah but like if if you look at the the 2% fat freaks that are now the norm for for movies yeah. it feels as though love island boys or 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 the marvel cinematic universe for instance and i think uh, yeah. there there's a there's a real issue with and i don't want to say what about men's rights here but obviously there's been a huge issue for decades in media around the representation of the female form but i think there's also an issue now with the representation of the male form and richard madden um, i don't know if you mm. know richard madden the name rings a bell, but I couldn't tell you who he actually is. He is is a, he an, an American football man? No. Imagine he, NFL, the video game. No, he is not. He is a Scottish actor. Um, and um, he uh, received a lot of people, mainly women, going, Fwah, look at that hot bod over some of his performances, particularly in Bodyguard. I don't know if you knew about that show. This is this is coming back to me. I think this was mentioned in the same breath as our man Polduck, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of women were going for over him as well, weren't they? Yeah. Um and um he he had a lot to say about that and about how it was leading to him having issues with his own mental health over how he felt this pressure to consistently maintain this um this this body which is actually unsustainable and you've seen it with other people like um jason momoa you know this this beautiful Mm. hulk of a man um where when he's not he's a very handsome man he's a very handsome man but when he's in the performances where he's got to take his top off that's him dehydrated um having lived an incredibly unhealthy lifestyle for a few months to get into that shape for the cameras um and that's the representation that people see of him then when you uh when photos were taken of him uh just outside of the work environment when he was on holiday you know paparazzi that kind of thing you had people online saying oh he's really put on weight look at that dad bod his dad bod is the kind of bod that i wish i had every day um but it going to say i i'm well versed in the dad bod i can certainly talk about that <laughs> as the proud owner of one of those um but but what it sort of has brought to life is these kind of conversations that people have been having is that um there is this disconnect now with how the male form is portrayed in cinema and the realities and people forget that you know men do have eating disorders and men do have difficulties with their body image um and it's something that i i've I've struggled with myself an awful lot and if you look at things like the marvel cinematic universe where everybody is completely ripped all the time um that's pretty much the norm across cinema now you don't get people with kevin costner bod anymore no Um, so whereas previously if you're looking at the 80s into the 90s You've got the extremes of Arnold Schwarzenegger, a condom packed with walnuts, as <laughs> described. I can't remember who said that. It was a comedian. Um, I can't remember the name of the comedian. Um, and then you've got the Kevin Costner bod or the Bruce Willis bod, where they're in, you know, they're healthy. They're, 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 um, they're slim, they're healthy, but they're not completely ripped and dehydrated so that their abs show up all the time. Yeah. And you've lost that kind of person from movies now. 
Yeah, and if anyone in a movie, any man in a movie has a normal body, they're actually probably a figure of ridicule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or 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 they don't they don't want to portray that person as a, uh, or, a or sexual an ob- not an object of desire. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um I mean we we do have a, another discussion to have at some point about how these days no movies have anyone with any sexual desires in at all. Um, which is a discussion for another day. But do you remember the last time you saw a mainstream blockbuster where people actually had sexual chemistry rather than just you had a man and a woman as the leads? <laughs> there was, you know, like that, that. that's one thing that I thought about a lot when we were watching Zorro was, oh, there's sexual chemistry between these two. Mm. That's nice. The last movie I think I saw that in was in Pirates of the Caribbean in terms of mainstream <laughs> you know big budget action movies most of the time like again sorry to rip on marvel again but when was the last time there was any sexual chemistry in a marvel movie or the 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 star wars movies you know there was there was a hint of romance for about five seconds across three films yeah um they don't do that in movies anymore um and I think it's interesting that I think the, everyone... the the rise of Skywalker is in many ways the opposite of sexual intercourse. <laughs> exactly, Palpatine fucks, but no one else does. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, so we now live in an era where everyone is an Adonis, but no one has any sexual desire. Yeah, and so it's nice to watch a movie like this, where, in spite of its flaws, and I'm sure we'll talk about the flaws of this movie soon. Um, at least it's got normal-looking people who want to fuck. And a normal-looking <laughs> pair of pale buttocks under a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is something that we should celebrate. And we should celebrate. But um, anyway, sorry for that long ramble. It's just something that, that sprung to mind that I wanted to talk about. Kevin Costner no, I, I didn't really think about icon. it, if I'm honest. So thank you for bringing it up. No, no, it's all right. But, but Kevin Costner, obviously, he's this icon of, uh, of 90s cinema in particular in late 80s cinema. Like I said, he had this string of huge performances. And this is held up as one of the big ones. You know, this movie was ridiculously successful. Um, so much so that its theme song was number one in the charts for so long that they stopped playing it every night on top of the pops and they just give like a 30 second snippet i remember that vividly because that hardly ever happened did it (laughs) um but um but he then obviously you know fell out of favor partly through some very poor decisions in terms of movies to make um and it you know paved the way for different different eras of cinema but this is one of those movies that kind of has a very particular place in history. And it, had you seen Prince of Thieves before? Yes, but not for a long time. I think the last time I saw this, I was in my teens, probably. Um, at school, I think I remember watching it with a group of friends at school, being aged maybe 14, 15, thinking, oh, yeah, it's kind of, it's like the Robin Hood story that we know and love, but it's all like violent and dark and stuff. And he's somehow, he's American for no reason. And yeah, love it. <laughs> So I had actually looked back on that kind of fondly. And from that point of view, I was disappointed watching it again at this point. Um, there's, there are good points to it, but overall it was, a, it was a, bit, a bit... It's a bit of a slog, isn't it? It feels very long. I think um, that's the main is issue. Long. It's um, extremely long. And I somehow ended up with um, the version I watched was like the director's cut or something. So it was even longer. Yeah, I watched the same. Two and a half hours <laughs> it was extremely long. I think it's very different. This was, when I was a kid, this was one of like the five movies we had on video. So I knew this movie inside and out when I was younger. But again, I, I'd not watched this in an extremely long time. Um, but yeah, I think we definitely did not have that director's cut version and this is one of those director's cuts that should not exist because it is way too long there's so much sort of just sitting around doing nothing and i think if you take the core scenes and maybe we should have made sure that we watched the cinematic version um because that's clearly the better version but you know when you see a director's cut you think oh okay well let's give that a go instead big mistake here um but when you when you look at the core scenes it's qu- it's a quite enjoyable swashbuckling adventure it's a romp um, yeah exactly um there's lots of weird idiosyncrasies with it everyone in this movie is racist the movie begins extremely racistly i know that's not a word but it is now <laughs> it, it is um they basically they it starts and it's in 
uh it's in the the age of the crusades and oh those those barbaric people from 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 the sort of arabic region never truly defined they're torturing those poor white men um and but it's all fine because there's one moment where once he's back home he's like praying or something and he says they said it was folly to try and force our religion on other people and then it's just like never mentioned again (laughs) yeah and i mean to be fair to be fair to this movie this is a damn sight more inclusive from a from a religious perspective from a depictions of 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 muslim people perspective than anything that's been made in the last 10 years um because you do have people going i was wrong to judge you just because you're muslim um (laughs) which is nice which you wouldn't get these days would you you probably wouldn't have the secondary character of the movie being muslim (laughs) in a in a big budget american action movie i mean i can't Uh, think of any no <laughs> exactly um so at least that was vaguely refreshing even though the depiction itself was dubious at best yeah. um and the entirety of the movie basically everyone is just incredibly racist which is to be fair an accurate depiction of britain whether it's an accurate depiction of britain in this time in the time is... of the very real robin hood yeah so robin robin hood of course is a real person yeah um, everyone not... knows that just like Not, King Arthur. Just like King Arthur. Well, it, I mean, to get serious with you for a moment, they probably do have a lot of similarities in terms of them being real people who have just been made into these completely fabricated fictional characters over the years through folklore and myth. Yeah, exactly. King Arthur was probably some kind of warlord down in Cornwall who... <laughs> kicked the shit out of a lot of other people and then became a ruler robin hood was most likely he was a yeoman they say was yeah he was most likely a fella who had connections to the nobility of the time period stole some shit and got away with it um but then obviously over time these things become much more and so you've got this myth of robin hood of this guy who steals from the rich and gives to the poor and sticks it to those no good aristocrats um and then of course you get the most accurate and interesting depiction of robin hood which is uh, um, disney's robin hood 1973 <laughs> which is the equal best robin hood movie i'd say Along with Men in Tights, obviously. Along with along with Men in Tights, and I'd probably put this up there because I think there's lots of charming action scenes. We all know that the worst Robin Hood movie is the Russell Crowe one that was made in the uh, late two thousands. Have I've you not ever seen, seen it. that? No. So it's. I have of, a bit of a soft spot for Russell Crowe. Uh, I just do in as well. these kind of films. It's not that he's good. It's more that he chooses the scenery very well. <laughs> so so Robin Hood. Um, there's been two Robin Hood movies very, very recently. Um, well, I say I'm tw- I'm talking about 2010 as very recently. That's the that's the very gritty, um, very dark uh, Russell Crowe one. It started off. This is a little bit of a little bit of trivia for you. Um, it started off as a really interesting script where it was going to be a focus on the sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, in a more sympathetic light and it was almost going to be this kind of mystery where he was trying to solve uh who robin hood was and there was going to be like a love triangle with a lady with with maid marion um and it sounded really interesting basically ridley scott then got the script and said i'm not doing this i'm making a really fucking boring robin hood movie which is what it eventually was and so you get this super boring gritty dark humorless robin hood film and it's truly awful it's it's competent but it's soulless um then you get is it cromulent it's not even cromulent um but then you get uh you get 2018's robin hood um which stars taron egerton uh, from uh, from the Kingsman movies and from um, Rocketman. Rocketman, yeah. Um, I thought he was great in that, but Kingsman looks like a load of bollocks to me. No, King- Kingsman's very good fun. Actually, it's basically a it's a it's it's what if you took the spoof of Men in Black and applied it directly to James Bond. 
Right. Okay. Um, so it's so it's actually it's actually rather good fun. Um, unfortunately, the 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 Robin Hood movie he's in kind of feels like uh, what if Guy Ritchie made Robin Hood? Oh. <laughs> It's extreme. Yeah. It's extremely not, not a bad. question that I would ever have asked. But knock <laughs> no. yourself out. <laughs> it's extremely bad. So I think I think oh, you he's know, done Robin Hood. He's done King Arthur. Is there nothing I love that? He well, will he not leave he alone? didn't actually he didn't actually do it. But that's oh, okay. That's what it feels like. It feels like uh, the the King Arthur movie he made, which is actually kind of good fun. Um, I'm just waiting for Guy Ritchie to do a baseball movie so he can truly ruin my life. All right, you slags. I'm going <laughs> to knock your blocks off with a home run, mate. Oh. <laughs> Strike free, and then you're going down the clink. Going in the clink, mate. Oh, the wanker's nonstick. <laughs> exactly. That's every Guy Ritchie film. <laughs> And that's why people love it. Because it has all the accurate love. British oh, slang. I'm, I'm from Britainland, I am. <laughs> I'm British. Oh, you're Which is much ah. like uh, <laughs> Christian Slater's accent in Prince of Thieves. Which, you know, you mean, Kevin Costner saw American him accent. doing it. Yeah, Kevin Costner saw him doing it and was like, I'm not going to bother even trying to do that. I'm just going to be Kevin Costner as Kevin Costner as Robin Hood as Kevin Costner. Well, I, I I thought that Christian Slater's accent was also very American. <laughs> I didn't think he was trying. He was trying to put one on, was he? It sounded like he was to me, but maybe I wasn't. Like, maybe that was a different character. I think as soon as I see him, I'm like, oh, it's that guy from Heather's a film I didn't really like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, see, I... Um... I, uh, I I I like Christian Slater a lot. I think he's very good fun, and I actually am glad that this movie has lots of Americans in it, being very very American. Because I'd rather that than it just being either people putting on bad British accents or British people in the main roles. I think it adds a certain nonsense charm to this film that it's got all of these people being extremely American. Yeah, I mean, um, British stars of the time, there wasn't really anyone who was up to it, was there? You could have Carrie Elwes, who was actually thought of for the role of Robin Hood, but turned it down. And then eventually, obviously, then... Yeah, <laughs> went so when did Men in Tights come Men out? Men in Tights was, was a couple, couple of years, years Yeah, a couple yeah. of years later. Um, I think he did think, oh, this is a bit ridiculous. And that's why he turned it down. Um, and then, uh, obviously, went on to go the deliberately ridiculous one instead. But But this movie's not... It's not trying to be extremely serious all the time. There's a lot of there's a lot of lightheartedness to it, and I think that's where it works its best. Is it has an earnestness that I really appreciate. So even though it's got its flaws, it, it's for instance, it's nowhere near as good as Mask of Zorro. Um, no way. Which is a fantastic swashbuckling movie and has just the the perfect humor action sexual energy this is a wet fish in comparison uh, which is also how to describe kevin costner's acting in a lot of movies that he's in it's a um, damp trout <laughs> yeah this is a this is a as as wet a performance as kevin costner falling in a river in that one in, scene in where, he fights, <laughs> where he fights little john in in this movie um but I think and then comes up and pokes him in the balls with the stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I, I think there is an element of, uh, of knowing humor about this about this movie, and obviously some of it comes from very clear performances. Um, I will always love Alan Rickman in this. Is my... this is an I absolutely iconic performance that yeah. completely makes yeah. this film completely steals the show. And apparently the rumour was that when they were kind of they were editing the film, they were like, he's stealing the show, what can we do? We need to cut some of his stuff out, we need to move stuff around, and that's how it ended up having kind of a weird pacing. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know that. What I did know was that he basically only agreed to do it because they allowed him to do whatever the hell he wanted with the character, um, which is why he's so fantastic in this performance but i think i think the villains really steal this in general i think uh michael wincott as as our man guy of gisborne is is wonderful as well i don't know if you know michael yeah. wincott i recognized him but i couldn't remember from what 
so he is um he's been in bits and bobs over the years oh he's in the my, crow yeah my yes. so my favorite thing that he's been in is is the crow where he plays the main villain of the crow um he also is in uh, the fourth alien movie alien resurrection um but he's been in all sorts over the years um he's in strange days which is a very underrated um action movie from the mid 90s as well a sci-fi um action film directed by Catherine bigelow um he's also in the the three musketeers movie which we discussed um oh yeah briefly with uh Kiefer sutherland and charlie sheen in um he's 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 great and i love him in everything that he's in and he's got that really iconic gravelly voice that adds this air of uh like fear and intimidation to <laughs> everything that he says um but then you've got uh mortiana as well the the witch um and i just think i just think those those villain performances in this movie are so good and they feel so out of step from a robin hood movie as well you've got these basically these are lord of the rings villains more than anything else really you know they're really over the top and i think it works in this film spectacularly well i yeah i was i did think it was a bit lord of the ringsy yeah but yeah alan rickman's performance is incredible and he gets all the kind of joke lines as well like sorry to keep you hanging about and stuff like that you're just like that is so ridiculous, and he is just so over the top chewing the scenery. I think, in many ways, it's a template for everything that Russell Crowe did afterwards, <laughs> particularly his performance in Winter's Tale. Oh, yeah, exactly, there's very similar through range between this and Winter's Tale. Um, but I, I think that um, you know he he's the comic relief and the main antagonist and he does this really in, incredible job of being both a fearsome antagonist and being this pathetic character you know and, and he's he's almost like if you took um the sheriff of nottingham's character from um uh from the animated movie <laughs> and put him into put him into a real life um into into real life this is kind of almost what it would be only amped up to 11 um it's it's really interesting and an iconic performance you know alan rickman has put in some great performances over the years um you know hans gruber in die hard yeah. is up there an all-time great um i don't know if you've seen galaxy quest yeah yeah that's um, that's a brilliant film <laughs> he's so good in that and of course his most iconic performance um the cheating arsehole husband in love actually um <laughs> um but you know he's he's brilliant in everything and a real a real loss to the world of acting yeah it's really really sad um but but this is this is potentially his 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 maybe not his best performance but one of his most iconic i'd say it's up there with um hans gruber as top, these top great, five yeah as these great bad guy performances but then you've also got you know that the, the gravitas of brian blessed at the beginning as well he's only in like um, one scene he's in one scene and how he's... could you have brian blessed for only one scene <laughs> i know it's such a shame um but then you know you've you've got the more straight laced performances you know you've got kevin costner's very dull robin of loxley He's yeah. just kind of he he's he's chilling out. He wants to come back home and just hang out in his castle, but he can't do that. So he's like, "Oh, best I gotta overthrow the government then." Fuck's sake! Yeah, um, come on, come along, Azim. <laughs> You're gonna come help me. Um, You're gonna follow yeah. me around the whole film until you die. <laughs> he doesn't die. He does. He gets killed, doesn't he? No. <laughs> oh no! He says his debts were repaid, but hasn't he been like stabbed by Mortiana? He's so... been stabbed, but it's not killed him. Does he appear in the wedding scene at the end? Uh, I wasn't paying that much attention. He's not dead. I thought he died. I assumed no. that he was m- wounded and was off to die somewhere. No, no, he he doesn't die. He just gets he just gets stabbed. Oh, it's the whole thing. Is oh no, has she overcome the 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 um the vision she had of being killed by by him? No. The no, plot summary here on the Wikipedia says Azim sacrifices himself to kill Mortiana in defense of Robin fulfilling his life debt. Yeah, no, I don't think he dies. Well, no one ever really dies. <laughs> I don't think he dies. Doesn't he just get stabbed? Yeah. Well, th- let's say it's it's an unknown. Okay. Okay. Um, but then you've got um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrio- Mast- 
Mastrantonio, I think it's pronounced as, as Maid Marian. Um, she is in The Abyss as well. I don't know if you've ever seen The Abyss. No. That's James um, Cameron, isn't it? It is a very cool James Cameron movie that was apparently hell to create because they basically were underwater the entire time and lots of people nearly died. Oh, that's it. right. Yeah. But it's, but it's a very, very good film. It's it's very underrated. Um with uh, with her and Ed Harris are the two leads. Um it's a, a fascinating sort of sci-fi movie. Um but um but yeah and she she you know she's got this kind of um very unmade Marion-y performance as well. Um you know for for I think from the 70s version onwards you've kind of got these performances of theirs of, of this character which subverts expectations. Um and um and i think you know this kind of ties into exactly the same thing where you're like yeah i can also kick the shit out of people yeah even though i'm maid marion um and what what was it was it called maid marion and her merry men that was a tv show wasn't it yeah yeah which did you watch that when you were a, a wee youngin no it wasn't that like a comedy yes yeah so it was a comedy with um uh, what's his face? Tony Robinson was the sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was Baldrick um, doing some more funnies. Yes, and it had uh, Danny John Jules as well um, in it, which is it was fun. I seem to remember enjoying it when I was a kid. Huh. Um, but but, uh, but yeah, it. you know, it's it's a shame that we don't get these odd adaptations of Robin Hood anymore. It's just no one's taking just, any risks. Yeah, give us give us some nonsense Robin Hood again, please. Give us Robin Hood with a dad bod. <laughs> Showering naked under a waterfall. Yeah. That's what we want. Um one other thing I did like about this movie was um how gross everything was. This, this really I was got... really surprised by how violent this film is and how like gory it is as well. Well, I w- I wasn't talking about the gore. Um, because as you know, I grew up on horrible films. Well, yeah, I'm sure um, it didn't have any effect on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, um, it was, it was how everything's muddy and dirty. Um, most depictions of the time period have got this very clean, beautiful forest, and you know, there's leaves on the ground. Everything's brown and miserable, and people are covered in mud. And I really liked that because you don't get that very often. Um, no. And it was quite nice to see it because, yeah, these these people back in back in ye olden days, they'd be covered head to toe in shit. Yeah, it's, it's a very the, visceral film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, it is quite violent. Um, you know, there's no beheadings or anything like that, but a lot of people die. Yeah, and there's hands getting chopped off, arrows going through hands and stuff. Yeah, and it, it's it's a bit surprising how the kid nearly dies of getting hanged. No, oh, he was never going to die, though. They can't show a kid dying in a PG movie. <laughs> no, I was say, yeah, I thought it was a PG. Well, yeah, yeah, um, but um, but yeah, it's it's it for me at least. I think it's nicer that it's got that very visceral feel to it. Um, I think it works in its favour that it's got that. Um, it makes you feel that much closer to Robin Hood's mullet at all times. <laughs> yeah, everyone in this film has a mullet. Even the women. <laughs> yeah, everybody, literally everyone has a mullet. Um, it's it's beautiful. Uh, the only person who doesn't have a mullet is Friar Tuck. Yeah. And I think I think the movie's worse for it. I think he should have had a mullet as well. Definitely. He's under, underused, I thought, in this one. There wasn't enough yeah, Tuck well, action. Uh, another, another comic relief character here. Um, who used wasn't pretty well. very funny. <laughs> well, I'd say he's used all right. I shout a lot and I tell people to drink. That's what you want from Fry Attack, right? Yeah. Um, you've got Little John with a magnificent beard. Little John looking like um, Tom Bombadil. Oh, your uh, favourite guy. <laughs> just, just makes me think this. This is what Tom Bombadil, what Tom Bombadil looks like. Surely, how much you um, want your Tom Bombadil movie, mate? I, I'd live for, <laughs> live for a Tom Bombadil movie. It needs to happen. Give me that. You know they're they're making this Lord of the Rings TV series for Amazon. Yeah. Uh, give me at least one episode focusing on Tom Bombadil, please. Tom Bombadil and his merry men. You, you get all this this high concept stuff about oh this is the the 
the precursor to to Sauron and it's dark and more epic and then you just get Tom Bombadil going fuckity look at me motherfuckers I'm motherfucking Tom Bombadil yeah that's definitely how it'll go down that, that's what I want I want that's my Tom his song Bombadil isn't action. it except <laughs> it takes 80 pages to, for you to get to the end of it yeah there's there's like five pages of diddly d at the beginning and then just motherfucker for for 60 pages <laughs> That's, um, yeah, that's the original. That's why no one's read the Silmarillion because it's too rude. <laughs> it's too yeah, exactly. They can't. F bombs on every page. They can't publish it these days. <laughs> the, these days, they'll arrest you if you read the Silmarillion. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you say you like Tolkien, you get arrested and thrown in jail. Yeah, these days. Um, <laughs> but it's it's um, but yeah, it's it's a there's lots of fun characters, but everything just lasts too long. And I think, I think if maybe if we'd watched this movie first in Swashbuckling Month, we would have felt better about it. But when you compare yep. it to Zorro and to the Princess Bride, it's just nowhere near as good. the The action's good, but it doesn't have the wit. It doesn't have the excitement. Um, and it also, you know, we are a romance podcast, and it doesn't have the romance, even though it had the most insipid song of nineteen ninety one. Um, yeah, but it was only in the credits. It wasn't even in the film. No, like, the, no. The main they, they had like an orchestral is, version yeah. of it, didn't they? Here and there. Um, e- even though it had that that song that I hate, and I do hate it, I must point out, I fucking hate that song. Do you? Yeah. Do you hate all of Brian Adams' hits? By which uh, I mean this one and Summer of 69. Some, yeah, and Summer that one six, with Sheryl Crow. Summer of 69 is okay. Um, I got a guitar... And I did some sexy acts. That's 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 basically it, isn't so it? So you it's could fine. dance to the song at a wedding. Yeah, it's fine. That's how it goes. As as far as dad songs at weddings go, summer of '69's okay. Um, but yeah, no no time for this nonsense. Um, uh, but <laughs> but yeah, the the romance in this ain't that good. No, it's a bit weak, isn't it? Basically, yeah, I, I had to laugh during the bum scene because it was like, it actually, you, what you saw more than the bum was her face looking at it and her sort of going, oh, I'm in love now. And I'm it's just like, this with, is ridiculous. I'm in love with Kevin Costner's ass. That's what happens in that. In lit, Like you said, it's literally one scene. She's like, I must go and see, I must go and see Robin Hood. And then she gets brought there and, and the, the little fella brings them along and she stares at his ass and goes, ooh, I love him now. Yeah, I'm in love now. When earlier on she'd been very, very against him for no particular reason. Well, he he was clearly a little bastard sociopath when he was a kid. If you heard the things oh, that she right, said, yeah. like, you used to burn my hair. <laughs> it's like, that is that is serial killer behaviour there, Robin of yeah. Luxley. That's the thing. This film is two and a half hours long and it spends like an hour and a half of that on battles. Maybe if you took 15 minutes off that and then added back in a little bit of sort of exploring their childhoods and a little bit more about the fact that he has like a random long lost brother, which they spend like two minutes on. <laughs> and then maybe it might have felt more satisfying from a character characterization perspective. See, it it may have felt better from a characterization perspective, but given that the battle scenes are the best thing about this movie, it probably would have been worse overall. You're right. Yeah. It's like that the the issue with this movie more than anything else is there's so much waiting around. And God bless him, Kevin Costner. I like him in some stuff. Um, I don't think he was a particularly good fit for Robin Hood, <laughs> um, because Robin Hood needs to be this charming rogue. Um, and that's not Kevin Costner in any way, shape, or form. He's the he's the polite substitute maths teacher of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's who Kevin Costner is. It's yeah. not a good fit for him. I think you know. Uh, speaking of movies of his that I like, uh, The Bodyguard is is a really good movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, not for a long um, time. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's a that's a good film, and he's got this very his his awkwardness and quietness and seriousness. Um, really works well off Whitney Houston's character um, yeah. because they can trust so much. But if you implement that person onto <laughs> Robin Hood, it's not going to go down too well. You Robin Hood's someone. a jolly figure, isn't he? he? He's supposed to be a dashing rogue. 
Yeah. He's not Kevin Costner. He's a, he's a jolly joker. And the main jolly joker in this film is Alan Rickman during the scenery as the Sheriff of Nottingham. So it just, <laughs> Genocidal, <doesn't> <laughs> Genocidal libertarian Alan Rickman. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not true. Libertarians don't like taxes, do they? We'll just call him a neocon. No, he's all, he's he's a neo. all about he's the a, taxes. Yeah, he is, he's a big old neocon. Um, he he um, initially promised to keep the triple lock. Didn't. Lied, lied to all the people of Nottingham, um, which I swear, I swear, um, Kevin Costner um, said Nottingham at some point rather than Nottingham, didn't he? Yes, he <laughs> <definitely> <laughs> did. Which is which is perfect. But to be fair, um, they did that in the the Disney Robin Hood, which is a perfect film in every way. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what more could you ask for from a movie? Are you? How do you feel about Disney's Robin Hood? I, I like I like Disney's Robin Hood. Good. Um, I think it's a charming little adventure. Um, That's the correct answer. It did lots answer. to create furries, and as we all know, furries are hilarious and light-hearted human beings, and we should all try and be a little bit more like furries. Um, are you okay with furries? Yeah, of this course. is a barbed. This is a barbed question. If you say no, because I'm going to yeah. immediately go hashtag cancel Paddy Johnston. No, if, if, if that's what people want to do, and it makes them happy and it turns them on, then fine by me. Yeah, I, I think it's uh there uh it's it's not for me, certainly. Um, but I think they seem like a good sort. And uh, in some of my reviews, uh that are obviously if you don't know internet, I write video game reviews and I've had to review some furry games and There are furry games. Yeah, so so it, it generally they're sort of they're not games about being a fairy, but it just so happens that the characters are uh, uh, anthropomorphic animals. Oh, I see. Massive right. heaving six packs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a re- it's kind of odd, but some of you know they're 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 a really earnest small indie scene. Um, and yeah, I've I've got no I've got no beef with the fairies. I think you know that's fair the thing. To them. As 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 far as I can tell, as you say, there's an earnestness to it that's nice, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. You know, when you compare them to some of the other subsections of internet culture i think they're certainly one of the better ones uh, and if you if you look at some of the other things that have come out of the internet recently like like QAnon, oh, um yeah <laughs> we can we can definitely look at fairies not as a friends success of the, of the internet not friends of the podcast sorry if you're a QAnon uh member but we do not believe that there's a secret satanist cult of pedophiles and donald trump is our only chance of defeating them yeah please don't um, listen to this show if you think that yeah, i mean uh, yeah fuck off <laughs> I imagine the people who think that aren't listening to this show, they're listening to QAnon podcasts. No, they're so dumb that not only can they not read books, but they also can't watch movies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We're part of the woke woke mainstream media. QAnon. (laughs) The the Chad Big Boys Don't Cry podcast versus the Virgin QAnon. (laughs) But but yeah, I I, I like... um, I, I like uh, Robin Hood, the Disney one. I think it's a really yeah, charming movie. Yeah, I love it. And I, it the one it, in it which comes... Maid Marian is, of course, an actual fox. <laughs> a literal fox. Um, and, and you know, it, it came in that time period where Disney uh, weren't at the, the peak of their powers either. Um, you know, it's one of those movies that's got, it's got lots of reused animation frames and things like that, which is really interesting to see. Mm. You don't think of companies like Disney having to do things like that. And I think it's interesting to look back at those time periods and see how they managed to cut corners and still deliver an interesting film. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, but I do, I do like this movie. I think it's fine. I just wish it was shorter and better edited, and it had a lead that felt like Robin Hood. Yeah, it's it's not a bad film. I don't know that I'd be returning to it anytime soon, because it really did feel like a slog. But I, I actually really like Kevin Costner. I think I like him more than you, and maybe I have a soft spot for him because of the baseball stuff and the baseball films. But I thought he was okay in this, and Alan Rickman was you know, brilliantly watchable in every scene. But yeah, there was just... Too much dicking around with the merry men in the forest, and too much stuff where it's like we're ninety, we're ninety minutes in, like the insurrection has started. They're planning to attack the sheriff of Nottingham's castle or whatever, and there's still an hour left. What is there to do? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's a way in which this set a template for what was going to happen with movies, because that's 
the the hour and a half of a finale of a film is something that's very big in you know the big comic book movies at the moment um speaking of kevin costner a man of steel where he's the worst dad oh yeah as we've discussed previously (laughs) telling superman uh don't use your powers for good hide them yeah that's that's great advice awful dad um that movie the last like hour and a half is is the finale it's like three hours long and it's basically superman beating the shit out of zod in a city for for at least an hour at the end of the movie um it's it's uh it's a bit it's a bit of a slog um a bit of a slog (laughs) yes um but the, the director of this is a man called kevin reynolds who's done other stuff as well so he did direct yeah. Waterworld, um which is a i'm going to put my neck out here Waterworld is a far better movie than robin hood prince of thieves i think i um, i haven't seen Waterworld in a long time but i think i would concur with that it has a similar issue where its lead is uncharismatic but at least in Waterworld, it's kind of meant to be his his character's meant to be standoffish um, but then it also has a very intimidating but also humorous villain in Dennis Hopper. And it's Mad Max or Mortar. It's great. There's nothing wrong with it at all. And people say it's one of the biggest flops, but actually it made its money back, did old Waterworld. Yeah, it's just because um, it's silly. It, it it didn't do as well as people thought it was going to do, but actually it, it, uh, it cost... It cost about 175 million, but it made back 264 million. Yeah, because they had um, to build this like actual water world when what they should have done was just <laughs> use the sea. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. They actually enacted climate change, um, filmed the movie, and then reverted it back. You young listeners won't know that because this was from 1995, um, but that's actually how they used to make movies back in the day, and that's why they were so expensive. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, the, the the technology to to roll back uh, climate change has uh, has disappeared, so we can't use it anymore. It was only for Waterworld, I'm afraid. Um, but but yeah, Waterworld is a, is a far better movie than than people give it credit for. Um, and also, yeah, like I said, it made its money back. It's not a flop. It just didn't do as well as people thought it would do. As all of um, these but, blockbusters of the time. Yes, yeah. Um, but he also did um, he did the Count of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, that's the Guy Pierce one. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah, that. I've seen that. I quite enjoyed that. That's which is a, yeah, which is a good old buckle month too in the future. <laughs> yeah, probably. exactly. That's a good one. Um, and then uh, also did uh, Tristan and Isolde with James Franco. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Um. So so yeah, he's uh, uh um something that I remember reading when I was at school. I remember literally nothing about Tristan and Isolde. Yeah, I've got no idea. Um, I I don't remember the plot whatsoever. Um, do not remember anything about that that uh, that bit of folklore. Um, but um, but yeah, it's uh, so yeah. He's he's done some he's done some interesting movies in the time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves probably the biggest. It was the in the year it came out, the only movie that beat it at the box office was Terminator Two, which obviously right. is one of the the biggest movies of all time. So it's understandable that um, that uh, that it couldn't couldn't beat that. But it was a huge phenomenon. You know, this was was this was a massive movie. Yeah, at the time when movies were massive. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, is, is there anything else you'd like to say about uh, about Robin Hood? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think we've covered it all. It's it's worth a watch. You know, it's it's good fun. It's enjoyable. It's entertaining. Certainly, the music is good. The music has the good, the proper swashbuckle da, 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 all the time going on, like literally assaulting you for an entire two and a half hours. You know, can't argue with that. <laughs> it is it, it is music that I could never remember where it was from, and this has finally solved it. But it's something that occasionally does get stuck in my head. Just a. That's the one. I swear um, that that is used in other films. That little theme. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah that gets stuck in my head every so often. So I'm glad that it's finally solved that for me. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's got the it's got the music, doesn't it? It's got the buckling of swashes, but just not as much as it maybe should have. Yeah, it it buckles the swash to an adequate degree, I would say. Yes, yeah, competent yeah, swashbuckling. No, for sure. 
competent but not exceptional yeah um so yeah so um i've covered quite a lot of trivia during the episode so i don't think i'll bother the only thing to call out is that johnny depp um was also considered for will scarlet but i like christian slater more i'm glad that he's in it yeah for sure um love a bit of love a bit of christian slater um and sean connery obviously has a cameo at the end yeah um so yeah the call out for call out for that uh they I read that he in... asked for a million dollars for that did he and they they managed to get him down to 250 which he all of which he donated to a children's hospital oh so, okay that's all right then <laughs> i was gonna say fucking yeah. for like two lines of dialogue um the uh the line fuck me they made it or they cleared it or whatever it is that was made he cleared up. it that yeah. that was made up by christian slater um which is great love that um, surely that's not in the pg version. i imagine not no although maybe you can get away with one swear maybe i can't remember what the, i can't remember what the rules are there's a there's a rule about you can use up to x um yeah surely not in the surely no f-bombs in a pg though you might be able to get away with one that might be the rule you might be allowed three shits but only one fuck that might be that might be it. Maybe that should be our rule as well. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um uh and a little bit of a Bronholm factoid for you. <gasps> he hosted Piers Brosnan hosted a half hour behind the scenes documentary of the movie. What? Even though he didn't appear in it. What? That's ridiculous. Yeah. So uh yeah, a little bit of a little bit of Bronholm magic went into this. What film. did we see the other day that had Bronholm in it? Oh yeah, he was in the Cinderella, the new Cinderella as the as the silly king. He's brilliant in that. <laughs> and in everything. I mean, yeah, he's brilliant in everything. So so right, how are we how are we going to rank Robin Hood Prince of Thieves? Um let's how, see. I've I've got one, I've got one. How many seconds do you stare at Kevin Costner's arse in the waterfall when you <laughs> fall in love? <laughs> let's see it takes me 12 seconds of staring at those cheeks yeah I'm, I'm gonna go just one higher to 13 because i think this is a this is a historically significant movie for cinema and there's lots of stuff in it that's interesting um it's also a very odd film in that they this is sort of peak kevin costner um and it's a movie you should never have been cast in. And I think I think that's a really interesting little little thing that makes this movie worth watching. So, yeah, a thirteen for me. Cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a good summary. You know, I still think I th- think I have a lot of time for Kevin Costner, but yeah, his performance in this is a damp trout. But <laughs> you can still eat and enjoy a damp trout. You so can there still you, go. you can, you can cook enjoy... it, can't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, so what have we got up next then? It's oh, our it's, final movie. It's the last <laughs> film of Swashbuckle Month, and it is um, it's Beowulf, isn't it? Beowulf. Yeah. When did it come out? Uh, I think two thousand and seven. Seven, I think. Um, yeah, it's this is a film and a half. <laughs> it's uh, it's a movie. <laughs> It's also got terrible accents, so I'm glad we've been able to to continue it, that theme across oh, good. another movie. That's a good link um, to it. That might even be a bigger link than um, bushing, bushing, swashing the buckles, swashbuckling. It's not really a swashbuckler, is it? But we had to find an excuse to talk about it, didn't we? Well, I think that was kind of the reason why we did swashbuckling month, wasn't it? <laughs> I think you decided, I want to watch Beowulf, let's do this month. It was all, think all that's... of this was just a ruse for us to talk about Beowulf. <laughs> Which, I mean, we've, we've got to talk, we've got to find a way to talk about all shit pieces at some point. Yes. So. No, I'm, um, I'm very, very excited. I'm not, but I am intrigued to see how bad it is in comparison to how I remember it being, which was bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I feel the same. I I feel some some excitement about doing that. <laughs> but but before we before we go on, can I just point out in case I forget this, um, Beowulf is directed by Robert Zemeckis. Uh, Zemeckis doesn't like the poem Beowulf, but he enjoyed reading the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck off! Oh my god. Um, 
But Zemeckis uh, yeah. doesn't like the concept of of time travel, but enjoyed making Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, well, that so, bodes yeah. well. It, yeah. Well, yeah. Take that into you. Uh, take that with you when we come into to uh, to to watching this movie. Good. I'm very excited. Well, that'll be for next week. For now, um, all we have to say is that we hope you enjoyed watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Or if you didn't, then do go and give it a watch. It's worth your time if you're, like us, enjoying going on a journey of swashbucklers this month. Um, There's a link in our show notes where you can give us money if you want to give us a tip. If you appreciate what we do, no obligation. You can find us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod, on the emails BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Yeah, what did you think of Kevin Costner's butt? Yeah, rate it out <laughs> of 20. Know. Rate Kevin Costner's butt out of 20. <laughs> Alrighty, and we'll be back next week to talk about Beowulf. Alrighty, Alrighty. bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>